0: Hi, and welcome to the City of Roseville podcast, Connections. I'm Megan McPherson, Public Affairs Director for the City of Roseville. This episode is part of the Engage Roseville effort. Engage Roseville is a community effort to prioritize city services and develop options to align service levels with revenue. Similar to most cities in California, Roseville is facing budget gaps in coming years due to flattening revenues and increasing costs. Roseville is being proactive about asking our community for input to prioritize the services we provide to the community. We're focusing on the following five general fund departments, public works, police, fire, parks, recreation, and libraries, and development services. And this episode focuses on development services. Roseville's development services department literally helps build our community. They shepherd projects from plan check and inspection to building occupancy. With me today is Development Services Director, Kevin Payne. He's here to discuss the services the department provides in our community, and we'll also talk about how these services are funded and which of those services are discretionary. Kevin has worked for the city of Roseville for 25 years. He's been in the field for 30 years total, including working for Dell Webb, building Sun City Lincoln Hills, and a project in Santa Rosa. He graduated with a degree in land use and planning from Stanford University, where he also played football. Welcome, Kevin. You had a pretty interesting start to your football career at Stanford. Um, Tell me about that.
1: Sure. My uh, claim to fame is my freshman year was John Elway's senior year when he was being uh, nominated for the Heisman as a Heisman candidate. The first game that I actually got to travel with the team was the Cal Berkeley-Stanford play where the multiple uh, laterals took place and Cal won it in the last Four seconds of the game. I will argue that the guy was down on the second lateral. So (laughs) Stanford really won the game.
0: (laughs) That clip was from 1982.
1: Yeah, that was. uh, And the band, the Stanford
0: band stormed the field.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. Every once in a while, I get invited to a reunion by the Cal players to come celebrate that, that play. I haven't attended one of those yet.
0: That was my next question, if you'd actually gone. Okay. Well, you're true to the cardinal. The
1: cardinal, yes. That's right. Yes.
0: You've worked in the private sector for a developer, but have spent the majority of your career working in the public sector. What attracted you to work in the public sector?
1: Well, the main difference between the public sector and the private sector is that you're working for a single community, and you're working with uh, that community to develop their vision and their plan for what they want to see in the future. One of the benefits to Roseville, and being here in the role that I've played, is that I've been able to work with the private sector in developing, and the community, in developing long-term plans, and then actually seeing them come to fruition.
0: And you certainly have seen the city grow. You've helped shape Roseville during its period of greatest change. What are some of the highlights that you've seen?
1: Yeah, so I arrived on the scene in 1990. Uh, There were 42,000 people here in the city of Roseville. If you drove down Douglas Boulevard, uh, essentially there was no development on the north side once you got past the target. They had just started installing the major infrastructure for the Northeast Roseville specific plan, which is now where Kaiser Hospital, the Auto Mall, the uh, theaters. Complexes are located.
0: All of but that all, was open at the time. All that
1: was vacant land just with six lane roadways that ran through it. The north central, or the area where the Galleria is located, and the fountains and Creekside Town Center. There was basically the roads had just been rough graded, for the majority of it, it was grasslands and jackrabbit habitat. There wasn't a whole lot out there. And then on the west side of town, you know, Fitiment Road was the city boundary at that time. There wasn't any development basically west of Foothills Boulevard at that point in time. We were just starting the Northwest Roseville specific plan. So um, that was just coming out of the ground at that point in time. So. Yes, I've been fortunate enough to see it grow from a smaller community to a larger, more regional player throughout the years.
0: And that happened in a relatively short amount of time in terms of Roseville being over hundred years old. That change all happened. Yeah, it was a, a compressed
1: time frame, and, and that's one of the unique uh, things about this community is that my career here has allowed me to work on projects, multiple different types of projects, the mall, the hospitals, specific plans, both in Greenfield application and in the downtown. If any planner in any other jurisdiction had the opportunity to just do one of those projects, that would be a career for them.
0: Well, Roseville's developed into quite a hometown and a destination in the region. And sometimes people complain that there's been too much growth. But tell me what makes growth important to a thriving community.
1: Well, first, I think you have to look at how Roseville Plans growth. We use a specific plan uh, process which looks at a balance of land use and allows us to be able to accomplish benefits for the community. Uh, examples of that are the Mike Shelito Indoor Pool, our Mahaney Park, and Maidu Park facilities, major citywide park facilities. The retail type of users that have, have located in, in this region are here because of the population and the number of rooftops. So without growth, we wouldn't have the gallery, you wouldn't have the fountains, and you wouldn't have Creekside or even the development along the Fairway Boulevard stretch. You know, one of the things that we focus on as part of the planning process is making sure that development pays for itself and as part of that, that it brings a benefit to the community. Above and
0: beyond what it costs to build the infrastructure.
1: Exactly. Uh, Another kind of amenity that was actually secured through the development process was Mahaney Park. Uh, That was Del Webb's contribution to the city as part of their project coming to Roseville. There are development fees that are associated with public facilities. We have areas that pay a downtown Uh, fee that are over and above what you would find in the infill areas or or where the existing community uh, was located. Those have gone towards the improvements that you see here in the downtown. Uh, The parking structure that's under construction at this point in time, fire facilities, fees are paying for the new fire station number one. So growth is actually paying for other amenities other than what are just within uh, their kind of physical location.
0: In addition to paying its own way, we have these added benefits because of the growth that we've experienced.
1: Exactly. And and once again, it goes back to balancing development with what the project is actually bringing to the community overall.
0: And Roseville's also had the advantage at this point in time in terms of its development. As you mentioned the specific plan process of looking at wide areas of land in a very comprehensive manner to figure out where's the best place to locate the school, the fire station, the retail, um, the, the trails that make the most sense for the community.
1: Yeah, going back to the specific plan process, that process allows us to look at properties that are over 500 acres or more to be able to do wholesale planning as far as developing exactly what you said, where the major infrastructure, roadways Land uses are located. Also allows us to obtain greater requirements as far as parks are concerned. We have a nine acres per thousand standard. That means nine acres of land is dedicated by the developer for every thousand population as part of their plan. In other regions in California, They're subject to what's called the Quimby Act, and the Quimby Act is essentially a five acre per thousand requirement. So we're almost getting double the parkland dedication through that process as part of Roseville's approach to planning. That's one of the prime examples of the benefits to doing kind of this larger footprint and establishing our growth patterns here within the the community. I think it also helps us when we plan our roadway network and uh, making sure that we have major arterials that connect both sides of the community. Um, you know, some of those take time to build out, uh, but we, as part of that that planning process, we put uh, financing systems in place that take care of the ultimate construction of roadways. They may be longer term, but. As growth accelerates, so does the acceleration of the funds that are available to construct those roadway improvements. So those roadways get built at the time that they're actually necessary. Those are just a couple of examples of how we plan, how we balance growth, and balance our approach to uh, land development here within the city. If you look at The overall state of California, pick up a newspaper at any point in time. Our state legislature is dealing with affordable housing and the lack of affordable housing throughout the state. Roseville has been an ongoing producer of housing. Even during the recession, we had one of the higher levels, although it wasn't where we had been at the peak as far as producing housing. But we were still producing housing within the community. What's the benefit to that? Well, when you stop producing housing, you stop collecting the fees for these other amenities. The other component of that is you start driving the market pricing up on existing housing, which then reduces that affordability for folks that either want to get into their first home or be able to live and work and enjoy all the amenities that the community offers.
0: It's a supply and demand equation when it comes to that. exactly. Development services is kind of a vague description of all of the things your department does. What should people know that development services is responsible for?
1: Well, we already talked about the planning aspect. So if you look at the development process, planning is up front. And then once uh, you get approvals through the planning process, Uh, You move into the plan check process, which involves our building and engineering functions, and then you move into the construction side of things, which then continues to involve our building and engineering functions as uh, they're doing inspections out in the field as underground improvements are being put into place and vertical development for uh, buildings are taking place. Then at the end of the day, All functions of planning, building, and engineering are involved in signing off on the final occupancy of any new structures that are taking place. The other aspects of our business uh, include business services section. That section uh, provides basic support through our mapping functions, GIS, uh, database, management is really a support function for the planning, building, and engineering operations uh, within development services. Uh, In addition to that function, we have our permit center, which supports once again planning, building, and engineering. That was put into place back in uh, 1999 timeframe, early 2000 when the Civic Center actually was uh, constructed. The whole thought process behind uh, that function was to create this one-stop shop where both the development community, the residents, uh, future businesses or existing businesses that were looking to do improvements could come to the Civic Center and have all departments that are involved in that planning, engineering, and building functions all located at uh, one location.
0: So if people are building a patio, if they're constructing a pool, or they're doing an extension on their house or remodel.
1: Yeah, they would come to the permit center. They would get uh, the information as far as what was required for submittals. Once they had filled out their applications, then they would submit their their plans and their project at that location. And the permit center right now uh, is servicing about 13,000 to 15,000 people per year. We have a lot of foot traffic that comes through those doors. That doesn't account for uh, responses to emails, phone calls, those type of items that folks are looking for basic information for exactly what you were talking about. Patio covers, pools, water heaters, uh, any of the kind of home needs, plus you know, small businesses that are coming forward that want to be able to start a business here in Roseville, and they need to know what the tenant improvement process is. All those uh, items that are associated with the planning side of the operations are also addressed. We have a full-time planner that works the counter um, five days a week, so uh, just to make sure that when the public comes through those doors that we can make every effort to be able to provide them with the answers that they're looking for. Administration, obviously, the leadership side of things, the oversight of the department is another key piece of of what we do. Uh, And the last function that uh, is really critical is our code enforcement operations their operations really maintain the the overall property values here within in the community
0: what does code enforcement mean
1: so code enforcement just as a practical example some folks don't like to have basketball hoops out on their street they're not legal here within the community Uh, we respond to a number of calls regarding that so code enforcement would be the responding Division that would go out and follow up on those calls uh, In addition to that or just uh, sign violations any type of land use uh, Related type of issue where we have
0: chickens in homes chickens in a,
1: <laughs> Yeah, chi- you know if you have a rooster that you're not supposed to have within the city limits those type of things and your neighbors are calling and complaining uh, those are the folks that go out in the field and address a lot of that. A lot of it's health and safety related too. We had uh, a set of apartments up off the Harding Boulevard area that had some structural issues with the balconies and stairs associated with them. It actually had a balcony collapse off the back of uh, one of the apartment units. Uh, code enforcement was key in bringing that entire facility up to meet code and make it safe for the residents to, that live in there.
0: And we've seen in other Northern California cities uh, recently in Oakland and in Berkeley in the last couple years, um, the tragedies that can happen when buildings are not built to code um, and are unsafe.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's uh, been a big focus in the news and just goes to kind of solidify why we have to have those type of operations here within the city. As I said, one of their focuses is health and safety. It's also property maintenance, making sure that we don't have, you know, weeds that are three feet high in folks' front yards, or rubbish, or parked cars, parked cars on lawn areas. Uh, all of those type of items that uh, degrade the neighborhood are addressed by the folks that work in that division.
0: What is Development Services' annual budget?
1: The annual budget is about ten point four million. When you start pulling out some of the special funds, really the operating budget is about $9.3 million overall. We're a little bit unique because we charge fees for building permits and for services in some areas, mainly in the planning, engineering, and building side of things. This goes back to the philosophy that development should pay for itself. Overall, we recover between 60 to 70% of our operational costs through those fees and doing direct billing to the development community. So that really reduces our overall discretionary impacts to the general fund to about right around $4 million. That $4 million is spread between multiple support divisions and our code enforcement operations. Once again, going back to code enforcement, the purpose there is not necessarily to generate revenue, when citations are being issued, but to bring people into compliance. And our code enforcement folks are excellent at what they do. We have a 98% case clearance rate within 30 days.
0: Where people comply with whatever the notice they've been given. And so you have a $10.4 million annual budget and you recover about 60% of your budget through fees. What kind of services are funded with these discretionary dollars?
1: Yeah, the services that are primarily funded or have an offset are business services and mapping functions, permit center functions out at the front counter that are assisting the public, A portion of our administrative costs are also included in that, and then our code enforcement operations.
0: Can you describe some of the options of discretionary services that could be considered for budget cuts and what some of those impacts might be?
1: Most of the discretionary funds are related to uh, those operations I talked about. Our operations overall are a service operation. So when you start looking at making cuts, that means that you're cutting positions for the most part. And what that does is it has a trickle down effect. Uh, It really starts to reflect more in our performance standards where it takes you longer to get your plan checks through the process. It may take you longer to get inspections followed up on On the permit center side of things. We may not be able to staff the front counter for the number of hours with the number of people that we have. From a code enforcement perspective, uh, we may not be reaching that 98% compliance rating that we've had in the past because we have less people to deal with the individual issues.
0: And for a city our size, we have three code enforcement officers. The third position was just added last year.
1: You know, the council has recognized that it's a uh, priority function. Much like fire or police, it provides safety to our neighborhoods. So when we went out and took a look at kind of what the staffing ratios are, we were significantly lower than some of the surrounding jurisdictions. And the council made the decision gave us direction to bring on a, an additional code enforcement officer.
0: Those are all tough choices. Thank you, Kevin. We've been talking to Kevin Payne, Roseville's Development Services Director. There are several other ways to connect to your city. We have multiple accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Nextdoor. We also have free electronic newsletters on different topics, including job openings, public safety news, city events, and more. Go to roseville.ca.us slash connect to sign up. To learn more and get involved in the Engage Roseville effort, go to Engageroseville.com. Register for our Flash Vote surveys at flashvote.com slash RSVL. Again, I'm Megan McPherson. Thanks for listening.